Hello, friends. Welcome to the XO Conversations podcast. This is your host, Dr. Rishma Walji. If you're new, welcome. If you've listened before, I appreciate you and I'm so happy you're here with me. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get notified of new episodes. And you can also sign up for exclusive information on the website, livingxo.com forward slash subscribe. On this podcast, we talk about personal growth and living an intentional life. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Amy Apigian. She is a leading medical expert on how life experiences get stored in the body and restore the body to its best state of health through her signature model and methodology, the biology of trauma. In addition to her medical training, she is also a functional medicine physician and has training and certification specifically in neuroautoimmunity, nutrition, and genetics for addictions, mental health, and mood and behavioral disorders. She's also just a really wonderful person. I've met her a few times and I'm happy to be able to call her my friend. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a really good one. Thank you so much, Dr. Amy Apigian, for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Maybe we can just start with a quick introduction so people can get to know a little bit about you. Absolutely. And I always look at that and be like, what, what, what would people want to know about me? <laughs> like, I'm just someone who had to figure it out for herself and then made this my career. <laughs> What's <laughs> What would people want to know about me? That's isn't that funny that we always, right? Like <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. You have so much expertise. You have so much to offer. So I'm sure people want to know everything about you, <laughs> but maybe you can just start with some of the basics and then we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah. So I was on a very conventional medicine pathway and a uh, very science conventional medicine pathway. So I actually have a master's in biochemistry that I got while I was in medical school and completed medical school in 2010, went on to have a master's in public health, went into actually did three years of general surgery. And then that's kind of where my, my path really pivoted due to some health issues. And that's where I started having to figure this stuff out for myself. I had already worked for, uh, what was that? Five, six years with kids with trauma and had been able to figure out pretty well, like what's needed for kids. But then when I started seeing those same patterns in myself and my health, I had to figure it out. Like, can, can I change trauma patterns as an adult? I don't know. Cause these have been in my body for a pretty long time. So I changed my career path at that point and went on to become a board certified preventive medicine physician, then addiction medicine physician ran addiction medicine uh, clinics as well as a 20-bed medical detox unit for several years and then slowly started to move more into really addressing trauma because especially by then in my work, I saw that trauma was behind so many health issues, behaviors, coping mechanisms, relationships. I just started to see it everywhere. And I I knew that we haven't had great solutions. We haven't had effective tools. We've still been approaching trauma very much in terms of it's something that's psychological rather than what I was seen as a medical physician as no, like this is their biology. This has become just 
just like a disease process, just like any other thing that happens in the body. And we haven't had great tools to address the biology of trauma. So that's really where I started to step into that. And, and here we are. This is what I do now. Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about this subject. Um, even though it's an, obviously a difficult subject and knowing, and at least when I was in clinical practice, knowing that trauma is such a difficult thing to go through for so many people, I'm so glad that you're doing it because you have such a warm, kind, gentle approach to it that I think is really accessible for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for doing this work because I think it's really important. I want to start by maybe just defining what trauma is, because I think most people, they think of trauma as, you know, the the big deal, big T type of traumas, which of course are traumatic, and we should definitely talk about those. But there's so trauma is such a bigger topic than just that. So I thought maybe you could just tell people, what does it actually mean to have gone through trauma? Oh, this is a great place to start the conversation, because you're right, like we need to redefine trauma. We have misunderstood it. And because we've misunderstood it, we haven't known our way out of it and through it back to a place of restoring goodness and wholeness to the body. So trauma is actually, I don't know if I'm going to offend some people with this, but trauma is actually has nothing to do with the event. And I say that because as I have looked at all the different types of expressions, of trauma that I see in people's biology, in their diseases, in their physical health, not to mention other aspects of their life, it's become clear to me that no, like the trauma still is in their body. It's not like the trauma, no, that, that was five years ago. That was 20 years ago. That was, that was then. No, it's like the trauma is still existing and still carrying out. And so then I started to look at, well, then what makes something be a trauma what what is it about the event and i had to find out that it has nothing to do with the event itself it has nothing to do with the event it could be a single event in time it could be a continuation of something a person had to live through over 10 years so it's not the event it's actually our system's reaction to the event or to the situation or to the environment because there are many things that even, I mean, even we, we can do to ourselves, right? Like eating, eating inflammatory foods that actually can become a trauma response in your body. And you're looking at me like, no, right? Like trauma is an event. Trauma is that thing. And it's like, no, trauma is our body's response to something in a way that our body gets overwhelmed in its capacity to stay present with it. And so that's become my definition of trauma. If I had to narrow it down to just a phrase, it would be anything, anything that for any reason at that time overwhelmed our body. Yeah. This is why I think there's so much overlap and synergy between what you do and what I do, because I feel like in order to actually approach life proactively, you have to understand what's going on in your subconscious. And that could be your subconscious brain. It could be your subconscious body. It could be your, you know, um, subconscious reactions, like the way that we behave in response to an event, a trauma, an experience. And I used to tell people even in my practice, and again, this would stress people out, but 
I would say things like, you know, if there, if you as a child, even if you were, you know, 18 months old and your parent was going to work and you were left at home and you believed somehow that your parent was not coming back, that could have been a traumatic experience for you. And I say this with much love being a parent, knowing that we can't protect our kids from every experience and we can't, you know, um, change everything we do just to protect them from an interpretation. Of course, we have to go back to work or we have to leave the house for some reason, right? Like these things happen. But if somehow as a child, you understood that event in a certain way, that could be experienced as traumatic for you. And I'm, I'm hearing that you feel the same way. Yes. And what I have landed on is that the thoughts are often just the response of our body. And so our body is having an experience of overwhelm. And that leads to the understanding of, oh my goodness, they're never coming back. Mm -hmm. And this is where, like, I've really landed on this idea that trauma is not your psychology. And that's, but that's, like you're saying, like for us, that's what is in our conscious awareness. We are aware of our thoughts. We're not aware of all the stuff underneath our thoughts, but yet that's where trauma really is. Trauma is all of that stuff underneath the thoughts. And so for me, it's been so freeing, Rishma, so liberating for me to be able to say, wait a second, that thought is just the expression of what's underneath it. I don't actually have to focus on the thought, think that the thought is real. It's just that, well, isn't that interesting that I'm having that thought? Because that means that my system just went into a trauma response and I know what to do when it goes into a trauma response. And so it, for me, it's just like an indicator on, on the dashboard of my car. Oh, my gas light just came on. Got it. I need to go <laughs> fill up with gas. It's just a marker for what is happening underneath the surface that I can then go and bring that up to conscious awareness, whereas before it wouldn't have been just my thoughts. Yeah, for sure. So much, so much happens without our conscious awareness, right? Like that is the hard part. And I think that's why we talk so much about childhood, even though trauma can be experienced as an adult or, you know, whatever age, but we talk a lot about childhood because you experience something as a child very differently you react differently. You're not thinking, you're just feeling, your body's going through something, which I assume is why you call it the biology of trauma, because your body is feeling, you know, chest tightness, stomach butterflies, you can't eat, whatever it is, you're feeling an emotion, you want to cry, you want to lash out, you want to have a tantrum, you're having some feeling, some emotion, some physical sensation that you can't articulate, partly because children don't have the words to articulate, but partly because it's actually happening before you realize what's happening in the way that if a car is coming, you run out of the way before you realize that car is a blue, you know, Toyota, whatever it is, right? Like your, th your thinking happens later and it's sort of a initial reaction, which is, I think, why it's so hard to change those patterns. It's very hard to change those patterns. And one of the things that I will hear sometimes, not always, but sometimes people will tell me, oh, I've processed. I've processed my childhood. I've processed my trauma. And as the medical physician, right? Like, awesome, awesome. How awesome for you. And yet, why then are you still struggling with so much inflammation? Why are you developing an autoimmune condition? Why are you overweight? 
why are your cortisol levels low or high or somehow imbalanced? Because when I see those things, it's the body telling us, communicating with us, I'm still in stress or overwhelm. I have not healed yet. And this is the big disconnection that can happen between the mind and the body. And we are so good at that. I was so good at that. I was, my goodness, like, I feel like I was the queen of that, where I could live so much in my head. I could live only in my head. And being able to think that I understood something, being able to think that I processed something. And yet my body was telling me a very different story and I just wasn't listening. And, you know, you say that kids sometimes don't have the words to describe body sensations. Adults don't have the words to describe body sensations, especially if they were like me, you know, super nerdy, geeky, right? Like love to love to be in my head. I love to study. Give me a book. Give me something to analyze, Rishma. Give it like, and I am at my happiest, but give me something to feel. And I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> right now, obviously I'm talking about past times because I have done so much work because I've needed to, I've needed to, but that's where, again, so many people without having that conscious awareness that their body is even talking to them, that pains, tiredness, exhaustion, inflammation, acid reflux, like everything is our body giving us a message and communicating to us. And when we just give it a pill, even if it's a prescription medication, or if we're just trying to make that symptom, make that sensation, just make it go away. We're still living just in our heads and we haven't made that connection, that longest journey that seems to be between our head and our body. We haven't done that journey yet. And that is where this biology of trauma can totally be carrying on without our awareness or we're aware of our physical health conditions and have no idea how that actually is related, associated at all with life experiences that we may think they're in the past. They shouldn't, they shouldn't affect me anymore. Or no, I've done a lot of therapy. So I think I've processed all of that. Ah, maybe, maybe. Awesome. Maybe. Let's just look at your body and what is your body telling us. And by looking at your biology, looking at your physiology, there are so many markers that I have to be able to see how effectively you have actually been able to process trauma that you're living above it or you're still living in it in your body. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much that you said there that I want to ask you about <laughs> because there's, I think, so many things that people can really benefit from. The first question is, what about the fear? Like when you talk about this trauma, I think a, the reason a lot of people don't address it is because they're afraid. They're afraid to open up this you know, dark hole, uh, they're afraid to end up staying there and, and, and being stuck there. And they want to move on with life. Like there's this fear. And I understand that having gone through it myself, like what, I, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? The fear of, you know, I think it's so necessary as do you to actually process in a healthy way and go through and regulate your body, your nervous system, all of those things we've talked about before you and I, um, but how do you address this fear where people don't want to? The fear is legit. And I actually want them to be afraid. That mm -hmm. may sound crazy, but we need to have a very healthy respect <laughs> for trauma 
<laughs> and it's power in our body because there's a reason why our body and our mind has shoved that into the dark corner. And I, you know, I tend to think of it as like this box that I've shoved stuff into. And then since it spills over, what I have to do is like, I bring in duct tape and I like wrap that thing. (laughs) Like, no, you are going to stay in there. You're not going to affect my life. You're not going to spill over into my relationships. And, and then, and you're right, because then there's so much in that box that the fear is realistic and, and we should be afraid of that. And this is where I see again, we haven't had the right tools to really effectively address trauma in the body. We've just gone to the mind and we try to do processing from there. We're trying to achieve a felt sense of safety. We're trying to achieve that felt sense of peace and calm through processing before we're actually ready to process. So there are two pillars that are needed for addressing stored trauma in the body. One pillar is processing, but that pillar can't stand on its own. And if you only do processing, you are going to topple over and it's going to be a big mess. It's going to be a big mess. And that's where people have gone. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of becoming a big mess. right? They're afraid of falling apart when they can't fall apart. They've got jobs. They've got families. They've got kids. Like, I can't fall apart. So I just can't go there. Ah, but that's because we've been missing this other foundational pillar, which is regulation. And regulation is a term that unfortunately is not very well known and understood. And so I say that word and people are like, huh? Like I I understand processing because that's where the focus has been, but we haven't, we haven't known and understood regulation. So regulation is this capacity to stay present in the moment with whatever is going on in our life. There's very specific tools that we use in order to do that. This does not happen by chance. This is not luck or genetics. These are intentional tools that people have to learn to achieve regulation. Regulation is also not this constant state of happiness and peace because people think, oh, I, you know, that that's, that's the goal. And I'm like, no, that's not the goal. Because if that car is coming towards you, I need you to be stressed. (laughs) I need your stress system to be fully engaged. So regulation is not, oh, just that meditation pillow yoga mat state that we think of of you know this internal peace regulation is more the health and flexibility of your internal survival system to navigate life in a healthy way so that when a stress comes you're actually able to respond to that stress to the degree that it requires it means not overreacting to stress <clears throat> It also means not underreacting to stress. I'm not going to do anything about that. I don't have the energy for it. It means your system has the flexibility and the health to know how much 
response is needed for that stress and be able to meet that stress in the moment, not a day later after you've curled up in a ball, right? Being able to navigate life moment by moment and staying present with it, both the stress and the joy. And I find many people who come through my 21 day journey are finding that they actually don't experience joy because they're also afraid of that. And their body shies away from it because it would open up all of this other stuff too. So our capacity for stress is the same as our capacity for joy. And so we've got to learn these regulation skills. I also liken it to surfing a wave. That that has not gone well for me in the past. I've actually, that was the first time that I broke my collarbone was trying to surf a wave. So this is a very real analogy for me. Whereas other people can get on that board and ride that board. And I look at them and be like, now see, that is regulation. Regulation is being able to ride the waves of life and not be taken down by the wave. And that's what trauma is. Trauma is being overwhelmed by the wave and getting pushed down into the sand like I was. Whereas regulation is being able to be like, yeah, this is stressful, but I got this. I'm hanging with it. I'm staying present with it. I'm not getting overwhelmed by it. And so when we think of then processing, processing actually falls under that category of growth, expansion, tapping into things that are uncomfortable. And if you don't have these skills of being able to ride the waves of uncomfortable things, you're going to get knocked down. It's a guarantee. And so we've got to start understanding that the fear around trauma work has been because we haven't been doing it the right way. And we've been trying to process without having the tools of regulation that allows us to process things safely in manageable amounts and keeping things what I call titrated so that we are staying in our window of tolerance and we're not jumping off emotional cliffs without parachutes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this in, in a different way to make sure that I understand and just to see if like I'm getting it what you're saying, because it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really important for people to hear the regulation. I think what you're saying is being able to show up for life and be adaptable and adjust and, you know, not be overwound up, but then also not underreact and feel like, oh, this is too much for me. I'm just going to ignore, walk away, avoid distract, et cetera, all those like things that we do instead, I'm just going to run away from it. It's being able to show up, adapt, flex, see the situation for what it is, and then have the tools within us to actually respond to that situation. That's what I'm getting for you from you about the regulation piece. Is that right? Yes. And as you're saying that back to me, what I would want people to know is that aspect of avoiding or running away that's actually the trauma response. Mm. In somatic terms, we call that the freeze response. And this is a state of your biology that is triggered by your brainstem. There's a vagus nerve that comes out of there. There's two origins of that vagus nerve. And the what's called the dorsal nucleus generates a dorsal vagal response. That is the trauma response. And in that trauma response, your body shuts down 
and you don't have the energy to deal with the stress, to deal with the problem. So your body has now, your biology, like I'm not talking about psychology, I'm talking about your biology has actually shifted to, I need to conserve energy at all costs, which is why it feels so hard to get off of the couch. It feels like you're moving mountains to move into action, to address a stress, to open a letter, to respond to an email, to call that person. Or you feel that internal collapse when you see them calling you, right? Like there's so many, there's, again, it's not about the event, <laughs> right? It's about our what's happening inside of our body and that avoidance and moving away is the trauma response because otherwise the other response is the stress response, which is a very high energy biology state. This is where your metabolism is going to be running at full speed. Your thoughts are usually racing because your metabolism is racing. And yet when you feel everything just slow down and you just want to curl up into a ball, pull the covers over your head. Even if you're not doing that, you just would want to do that. Your body has just gone into the trauma response. And the more time that these patterns play out in our life, what I see is that more people then are so uncomfortable with that, right? It's a very uncomfortable place to be in that trauma response or that freeze response. And they start finding that they have to do more things to keep themselves energized. And so they start their day with coffee and then more coffee and more coffee (laughs) and more coffee. They find themselves snacking as a way to keep themselves energized and awake. They may start over-exercising, thinking that that's what they need to do in order to feel more alive, feel more awake. And the longer you go, the the more that your adrenal glands start to get affected, your cortisol actually starts to go down rather than up. And so there's all these, again, biology things that are playing out when we look at the trauma response and how, and honestly, like when we look at processing trauma, that, that could result in a trauma response if we don't have these skills of regulation. And so that would be how I would tell somebody if how they're going about doing their trauma therapy is actually useful or it's not useful, or if they're ready for processing or not quite ready yet for processing is let's look at how much time or how many times your body, you feel your body going into that low energy state, or let's look at all the coping mechanisms that you're having to use to stay out of that low energy state, because that tells me your capacity for regulation, how much regulation does your system have? And thus, are you even ready for processing trauma? Because if you're trying to process trauma when you're in that state or going into that state frequently, even, even trauma work will actually result in the trauma response and be very counterproductive. Yeah. I I used to call this the crash because people would come in and they would be like, I have no energy. Um, but it was after a period of stress, or sometimes they would come in with a diagnosis, right? I have diabetes, I have inflammation, I have autoimmune disease, whatever it is. And they'd be like, I was totally fine. And then I have this disease. And I would say, 
Have you been undergoing lots of stress, trauma? I would, you know, dig in and in, in a conversation and they would look at me like I was a fortune teller, right? They'd be like, how did you know? And I'm like, it's a pattern. Your body needs to figure this out. Like you're basically running on a treadmill with no, you know, or I, I guess trying to press the gas with no gas, right? Like there's, exactly. you're just yep. going and you, and you can't, your body literally can't. So I want to go back to, um, the processing just, just for a really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what you said there was so important and I would want people to get that, get that gem that you just dropped for them because there's two triggers for that trauma response too much, too fast or too little for too long. And so much of chronic stress is actually having lived for too long with too little of something that you really need. And that's the same. It it results in the same collapse that you're talking about as something that happens too much too fast to us. So those are the two triggers for this trauma response. Yeah, that's really powerful because I've never heard anyone talk about it that way where you haven't received something for too long, which I imagine could be a very base need like love and affection or, you know, belonging, any of these like, you know, really important things where we feel like we might not be getting it. Very important things and other important things that again, like, let's get really cellular here. Magnesium, Mm -hmm. zinc, (laughs) right? Uh, What about your oxidative um, your, your enzymes for clearing oxidative stress. We don't think of, we don't think of those as being anything related to trauma. And yet those are essential for life. And if you are running on deficiencies in those, and it's been too long with too little of those, you're setting yourself up for not being able to hang with any of life stress. And you're going to notice that with smaller and smaller things, your capacity for stress is just not there. Not there. Oh yeah. Don't get me started on healthcare system and how how little we pay attention to nutrition. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? What we're eating, what nutrients we're getting, even this processing. And I, I want to highlight this because I think this is important that that's something that you talk a lot about. And I, I might be guessing here, but let me know if I'm right. With the processing, it's not just processing emotionally, it's processing physically. So there's processing that I think people think of, you know, I went to therapy, I processed, right? Which is, you know, therapy is very valuable, but there's also a different kind of processing where you need to feel safe in your body. You need to feel, you know, nourished. You need to have sleep. You need like all these other things. Um, so processing, I, I imagine includes all of those things too. There is a processing that needs to happen with the body. Um, I, personally use somatic experiencing for that where there's actual movements um, and often oftentimes there's some discharge that is needed from the system and that's what I would consider processing in the body and then all of these other things like sleep like nutrition I consider those tools for the system and tools that help regulate the system when they are in place and if we don't have them they're going to create dysregulation. Sleep is a huge thing. (laughs) Sleep is a huge thing. I'm sure that people can relate to, you know, sleep deprivation and their lower capacity for stress. And, And yet 
you know, does your therapist ask you about, hey, how are you sleeping? <laughs> right? Do they titrate? And by titrate, I mean, do they just manage the dose that you get? Do they manage the dose of therapy that they're doing with you that day based on how well did you sleep? They should be because that's going to affect how resilient your system is, how available it is that day in that moment to do any processing. And so this regulation piece, again, is critical in your your capacity for regulation. And we thankfully have all these tools for regulation. It determines your capacity for processing. And I talk about the essential sequence that is necessary to lay down this foundation of regulation to be ready for processing. And just like you said, the very first thing is actually creating a felt sense of safety. That is step number one. And the reason for that, and I'll just share that briefly, is that the trauma response, that freeze response, that collapse, that's actually what it needs. So we cannot come out of the collapse unless there is a felt sense of safety. It's like if we were a turtle in a time of danger, the head comes into the shell. (laughs) The head is not coming out until it feels safe. (laughs) Same thing with our body. It's not coming out of that collapse until it feels safe. Now, once it does come out of the collapse, then our system actually goes back into the stress state, the sympathetic state, because that's actually how the trauma response happened. And it literally walks it backwards. Many people think, oh, I just go from trauma to, you know, calm and parasympathetic. No, you actually don't. No, you actually go back to where it put you into the freeze response to that trauma response, which is stress and sympathetic. Now, stress and sympathetic needs something different. It, It actually doesn't need safety. It needs a felt sense of support. So that is step number two in the essential sequence that I teach. Now, a felt sense of support. Why would that be? Well, if you think about anything hard that you have ever been through, if you knew that someone had your back, would you not be able to do more, hang with that stress longer, and not get overwhelmed? That felt sense of support is huge for us being able to stay present during a stress and not have that wave overwhelm us and take us down. It's when we don't feel supported. It's when we feel that no one has our back. That's when the stress becomes the trauma. And so as we reverse engineer this, we have to first create a felt sense of safety for ourselves to help ourselves regulate. That allows our system to start to come out of the collapse. Then when it lands in the anxiety and the stress, we have to create and have the tools to create a felt sense of support. Otherwise, it's going to go right back into the collapse. And by then providing that felt sense of support, we can actually work through a lot of stuff and then land in that parasympathetic where we are now continuing the cycle of building capacity for regulation and processing and more capacity and more regulation and more processing. And it becomes this cycle of wellness rather than this downward spiral of trauma because we haven't felt safe in our body. We haven't felt that anyone has had our back. And so we've just 
continued to go into these trauma responses time and time again, enforcing them, making them stronger patterns in our life and our health. So that's the essential sequence that I teach people and how to even build regulation into their system to then be able to process. And this is why it's more than just the event, because the event might be over, but you still feel unsafe. You still feel unsupported. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And and I don't want people to think that, oh, I need to go find a person in my life. That's not the solution, right? We We see plenty of people who go into relationships looking for them to be that person that provides them that felt sense of support. And that's especially once we reach adulthood. That's actually something that we have to do for ourselves. We have to have the tools. These are some basic somatic skills. We have to have those tools to create that felt sense of support for ourselves. Not in a, I don't need anybody else kind of way, but in a, I can take, I can take care of myself. So given that, this is such an important topic, but also such a deep and scary topic to address in your own life. What are some initial things that you usually recommend for someone to start off in a healthy, safe way to, you know, maybe not open the box, but just start them on the on the process um, of healing themselves? What would you recommend? Yeah, and this is actually what I started doing with all of my patients, Rishma. So when people would come to me and no matter what they came to me for, right? And being a medical physician, they were coming to me for medical reasons. And I soon discovered that that's actually not where I need to start. I need to start with helping their system be more regulated. And then we are at a very different place and they actually have more capacity to implement all of the changes that they need to do to get their health where it needs to go. So as as different as this is than other medical approaches, I started having people go through this process of uh, creating a felt sense of safety, creating a felt sense of support, and then stepping into some expansion before we started to run lab tests, before we started all of the supplements or the protocols and the treatment plans and I found it made such a difference, huge difference. And so that's actually the group course that I lead now is leading people through this same process that I found necessary, essential for my patients. And this is exactly what we do. We come into this place. We come into the, I call it a journey, call it the 21 day journey. And we don't start with story. In fact, we don't ever share story and the whole time that we're together, and by together, I mean that they have these exercises. I've pre-recorded them on video so that they have these exercises, and they're doing five-minute exercises that involve usually some movements or some felt sense or some somatic-based. Somatic just means body-based. And through these exercises, they're starting to learn how to become aware and track their system and being able to see, is it in overwhelm right now? Is it in that trauma response right now? Is it in sympathetic right now? And how can I shift it just a little bit towards parasympathetic right now? And when we do these things, 
before going into any story. It changes everything because at the end of these 21 days, now that they've got all of these tools, tools, that box doesn't seem so scary because they have tools. Yeah, this totally makes sense to me because you you can't start something and then feel like you know, you're broken. It's like, oh, I started, the, the waterworks started, I'm crying now, what do I do? And then it's almost like you have to restuff it back in, which is harder than having stuffed it in there in the first place. So this makes total sense to me. And I feel like we could talk for hours about this subject because I just love all of the stuff that you do and um, all of the value that you give. I, I think it's so, so, so important. This was a really big missing piece, I think, in in healthcare. So thank you for, for giving it. If someone wants to find out more, work deeper with you, spend more time learning about all of this, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me over at traumahealingaccelerated.com. That would be the best place for them to go. They can find a guide, a roadmap that I've written for steps to identify and heal trauma. And it actually walks them through this essential sequence and the regulation, the processing that I've shared today. That's awesome. I have one more question for you. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> not not prepared or anything, but um, why should someone do this? Like, I feel like it, this is such an important piece of being intentional, being deliberate with your life, you know, experiencing your life in a more full and rich way. Um, you know, why, why should, why would you encourage someone to go through this? Because Whatever we do not bring to our conscious awareness will continue to drive our life, our health, and our relationships. So it is possible to ignore it, pretend it's not there, but it doesn't mean that it's not affecting you. And so if a person really wants to live a full, rich life, that richness comes with the depth that happens with bringing this stuff up to the conscious awareness in a way that you can now manage it and support it and work with it. Very different than controlling it, right? Very different than ignoring it, but being able to just have this depth that allows you to be more grounded than, than anybody else because your roots are going deep into the ground. You're solid. And when I see people that are solid because they're doing this work, life doesn't shake them. And it's not that they have life any easier, but the waves of life don't take them down. And that's what I would want for everybody listening. Yeah, this is what I would call inertia or momentum. Like we just follow life, but we don't actually realize all of these things that are guiding our life that we don't even we're not even aware of, right? Like life goes on a certain path and we almost have to first be aware of it and then shift it in a way that is empowering. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I just love everything that you do. Ah, and I love everything that you do. I am so glad that we had this conversation and there, there just is, there's so much synergy between our work. So I love what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes. I love to hear how our work is impacting your life. 
You can also find so much on my website, livingxo.com. I have a free workshop on emotional regulation, a quiz to find out how intentional you currently are in your life. And don't worry, we all struggle with this. It's why I'm so interested in this topic. But if you do the quiz, you can also learn how to make more intentional decisions. I also have my journals on my website, the Clarity Journal, Connected Parent Journal. And of course, if you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll find out about any upcoming events or updates. Livingxo.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time. Mm -hmm.